It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Uh, I know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? The Chris Johnston Show. What is going on? Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. CJ, this episode is going to be dealing with a lot of contention, a lot of animosity. Uh, Jim Matheson and Leon Dreisaitl, uh, Brad Marchand versus Vincent Trocek, and the Carolina Hurricanes organization. Even Eddie Lack picked a fight with uh, Ian McIntyre. I apologize for not saying his name right. It's Ian McIntyre. I know his name is spelled like I-A-I-N. Yeah, it's Ian. Yeah, it's Ian. Yeah, Ian McIntyre. There's so much of that back and forth. It's so combative. So before we get started on all of that, and we'll get to uh, the introductory press conference for Kent Hughes as well, before we get started on all the fighting and and all the back and forth, CJ, tell me one nice thing that happened to you this week. Just tell me a nice thing, a nice story, or just something, just so we can just start off with some harmony to start, and then we'll have all the fighting in the middle, and then maybe at the end, we'll have something nice again. A nice thing. Eh? You're putting me on the spot. It hasn't been a bad week by any stretch, but I also haven't done anything because you, you probably heard, but we got just like we got a dump of snow. Yes. In Toronto, like literally the city's basically been shut. We're in lockdown anyway. You know, a nice thing for me, but this isn't at all what you're looking for. Like, I think you you mean like a nice gesture from someone else. I don't think I've had that because I basically haven't seen anyone else. No. It doesn't have to be a gesture. It could just but, be a nice thing where no one was fighting. It could be anything. It could literally be you'd be like, you know what? I had a cup of coffee today and it was the most perfect cup of coffee in the world. I went for a run yesterday, which won't surprise you. And no. I, I actually slipped on a piece of ice and fell. And oh. a woman was driving alongside me and stopped her car and asked if I was OK. And that was a nice Aww. thing. And it wasn't Aww. a big fall. There was no drama to it. I'm not injured. Nothing was ripped in the process. The only thing that really bruised was my ego in, in the yeah. whole thing. Cause like no one likes the fall. Like literally, like you're <laughs> down and you're, you're like looking around. You're like, who saw that? And then this woman, a nice woman in a car stopped to make sure I was okay. So that was, uh, that was a nice thought that someone out there who doesn't even know me cared about my well being in that moment. Oh, that's so wholesome, CJ. Now let's get pissy. Let's talk about the Edmonton <laughs> Oilers and Jim Matheson and Leon Dreisidel and the back and forth heard around the hockey world uh i don't know if we're allowed to play the clip from uh what happened with jim matheson and, and leon dry we can play it could... okay well it's everywhere what let's just let's just play it then lots of reasons for why the owners are playing the way they are in terms of winning and losing what do you think's the number one reason for the losses now is there is there one thing that you in your own mind you're saying we got to get better at that 
Yeah, we, ha we have to get better at everything. Would you like to expand on that? Nope. You can do that. You know everything. Why are you so pissy, Leon? Hmm? Why are you so pissy? I'm not. I'm just I, answering your question. Yeah, you are. Whenever I ask you a question. I gave you an answer. Not very good one. Okay. Let's see if producers Jesse and Nick are on the board. I, I, I bet they could find a way to do that and put it in post. I'm just going to imagine we've heard the clip because, you know, I don't know if they're, I'm sure they're genius. They probably put in the clip. But anyway, um, let's get pissy. Pissy. That's just the, the term that's just been used all week between Hall of Fame reporter Jim Matheson and Edmonton Oilers center uh, Leon Dreisaitl. I want to know, CJ, because I've heard from the SDP about what they think about it. I've heard from other hockey fans about how they felt about it. You're an actual reporter. I'm a reporter, too, but you are, I mean, the preeminent insider on the show. How would you have handled that situation? What was your initial reaction to it? I'm a reporter and I also know Jim Matheson quite well because I'm, you know, been around a, a few times and, you know, had dinner with him on occasion or beer here and there. Um, you know, so like, I guess I have some view into how this goes. You know, I didn't like it. And I want to sort of choose my words, words carefully, because I think in this world, it's easy to just lash out and say, this is wrong. This is wrong. You know, there is some nuance here. I think kind of hockey fans in a zoom world are getting to see how the sausage is made a little bit more because mm -hmm. these clips are just everywhere. And you hear the questions, you know, like raw sort of what I would call a raw video from scrums in the old days was available by some teams, but you wouldn't necessarily get the whole scrum. But now it's kind of, if, if you, if you care enough, you can go through every day and see who's asking who, what basically with any NHL team. And you know, I think where if it, like Jim Madison doesn't need any advice from me, put it this way. He's been doing this job. He's been covering the NHL since before I was born. But He's I in think, the Hall of Fame. Right. That's a separate issue. Let's not go down <laughs> that know. road. <laughs> go ahead. And that's not a shot at Jim. That's just like the whole idea. Not a shot. The writers in the Hall of Fame. And, you know, like it's 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 nice, but they're not really in the Hall of Fame. Anyway, it's kind of like a side wing. Exactly. Um, but they do get invited to the ceremony each year and walk the red carpet and then the whole thing. So, I mean, it's certainly a nice honor for the those that have been recognized. Um, but the way you and I, Julian, can have a certain conversation over a beer in a quiet corner of a restaurant than you might have when your parents are at the table or when your teacher and your boss is there. I mean, like the point is, is, is I think as humans, we, we actually don't even consciously do it, but you, you sort of adjust how you might describe a situation depending on who's listening and how many people are there. And so the fact that it's this setting at a podium, which is rather impersonal, the fact that literally everybody can hear it. I think in that moment, that's where I don't like saying, why are you being pissy like that? that crosses nothing good can come of that. I mean, you're, you're, I mean, at that point you're just baiting him. Like it's, it's almost, you know, and look, I think Jim got emotional. Honestly, I haven't spoken to him about this, but I, I think he reacted emotionally in that moment. Um, and so look, that the, the one thing I've tried to be mindful of the pandemic is a hard time for lots of people, like not to like bring this to that, but like, I think sometimes when people maybe act in a way you, you don't expect or, you know, there, there could be more going on. So I don't want to be too judgy or critical, but yeah, like that, that shouldn't have happened in that way, in my opinion. And I'm guessing he would take it back. Maybe not. Um, but, you know, asking a player if he's pissy at that setting, I think the setting is what's key. I think in a one-on-one -on -one conversation that there are times that might be appropriate. Now that's probably not how I would ever do it. Um, but, but I would allow that 
in the trust of a one-on-one conversation, you can be direct sometimes. And, and look, over my years, I've had some difficult conversations with players who didn't like something I, I wrote or said, um, you know, and, and it can veer more into like F you, F you a little bit, or, or like, you know, this is also changing in the NHL too. Like when I, I first came around the Toronto Maple Leafs, I think the first game I covered was in 2002 in the playoffs. And so that was like the team of Gary Roberts, I believe. And, and, you know, Ty Domi, uh, Darcy Tucker, Matt Sundin, like they were like an older, I mean, they were a team of that era. They had more people in their thirties than, than teams have now. And, and I was a young kid. And so I certainly wasn't making anyone upset, but I was very intimidated. Like it was like, it was routine in those days, honestly, to see like Ty Domi or someone chirping at Damian Cox, say who was the, the main sports columnist of the Toronto star at the time or hockey columnist, um, like, like it was, it was a far more edgy environment than what I would say an NHL dressing room became in, in the next 15, 17 years when we were still allowed in there. Um, you know, you just didn't see that as much. Like occasionally you might get the sense, say someone like Austin Matthews isn't happy with the line of questioning, but I never saw him really directly go at anyone. And he certainly wasn't like calling like Chris Johnson, get over here. And why did you say that? Like it, 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 it evolved. Right. And so you don't see as much confrontation and then certainly now in a zoom world, you almost see no confrontation um, because I, I, I mean, you know how impersonal this is. I mean, this is the only time I like zoom honestly is when we're doing our pod. Cause any other time I'm on like a zoom like thing, like I just don't, I don't appreciate it. Like I, I hate this way of dealing with people uh, feeling yeah. so, so removed from them. And so, yeah, I've, I've devolved like usual into some, all these random tangents of thought, but, let me let me hold back your the original let me, point. Let me, let I would not back. have done that, and I don't think Jim would do that again. Let me let me pull back for a second here because I also want to ask you about the initial question because he essentially and I don't have the full quote in front of me, but he essentially would just ask him like, "What's the number one thing that's like wrong with the team, or at least has to be fixed in order for them to get back on the right track?" Like, did you have a problem with the initial question? I didn't have a problem with with Leon Drysaddle's initial answer. Like, even if he just made it as short and maybe it was as smug as he was where, you know, everything has to get better. But I wonder how you felt about the actual line of question. The first Before question we got is, to pissy. The first question is fine to me because sometimes questions maybe come out wrong. Like, I can't remember exactly how he phrased it. Maybe maybe that yeah. was an issue you might be pointing to. But like, OK, the team is in an absolute death spiral. And, you know, as you're a reporter, you're trying to comb through. It's not even it's because sometimes it's not just what we think is wrong. Like, obviously, on this show, we've talked a lot about the goaltending stuff. Like, like if we were identifying one issue for the Edmonton Oilers, I would say having substandard goaltending is, has hurt them considerably during the stretch. But like, I might have that opinion, but sometimes it's our job to to see what the opinion of those more closely associated with the team think. And so I don't mind that first question. Leon didn't bite on it. Then he asked the follow-up to that question. Do you care to elaborate, right? I think I think it's the fact he kept pushing and Leon clearly wasn't going to say anything. Like, I don't know that that's being pissy. I think that that's also a player in the... Well, I know it's not being pissy. That's a player whose team is crumbling around him, a guy who has carried a disproportionate amount of the load, a player who's playing more minutes than every other forward in the league. Uh, and, you know, at last check was leading the league in scoring. I mean, it, it's not his fault but he also doesn't want to be like, Hey, yeah, this guy that p- puts the pads on, you know, down the street from here, down the, the, the dressing room from me here. Like he's like, he sucks. Right. And like, but he already knows everything's on fire in the city of Edmonton. Like he doesn't in that moment, Leon Drysaddle is intentionally saying nothing 
trying to not make a headline. Right. And I realized they end up making sort of a headline and giving us this this fodder to chew on as a sort of course, you know, side course of what happened here. But, you know, I think he's intentionally not saying I I, I don't get the reason for it didn't need to be that. It just didn't need to be that antagonistic. It didn't need to get to that level. But I don't know everything going on there. Um, you know, but I'm certainly not one of the reporters standing up and going like, this is how it should be done. And that might be a reflection of just being a different generation than a lot of the, the guys who did stand up and do that. You know, I saw Mark Spector. I saw Steve Buffery from the Toronto Sun defending it. I think Steve Simmons might have. You know, stood you know up funny? And applauded, but like all those guys are the generation ahead of me in terms of age in, in this industry. And so it might just be a product of being younger than them to think that, you know what, that didn't have to go down that way. You know, what's funny. Uh, and I'm not sure if you realize this or not, but at least in the case of, of Steve Simmons, I know for sure. And I think Mark Spector as well, their praise of Jim Matheson came off of them quote tweeting like a fake Jim Matheson tweet. There was like a fake Jim Matheson tweet that went yeah. around where he was saying like, oh, you know, uh, I thank my fellow scribes for defending me and whatever. And then those two just like picked up the bait and just kind of showed their support for Jim Matheson. Not that it would have needed a tweet from them to do that anyway, so to speak. But it was just really interesting that they did not realize, at least initially, that they were retweeting a fake tweet from Jim Matheson, which makes this a little weird as well. It does. And look, those guys are both, I'm both friends of both of those guys. So like I'm, they like they're fully fine to look at that situation and be like, that's how it should be done. Cause I think that's how it was done when that was normal for them. Like, as I said, when I was 20, when first got an NHL dressing room, so those guys were more like 40, say, um, or 35 or what have you. Like it was far more, it was a place that had, it, it was far more confrontational, honestly, just as like a matter of course, like I'm talking on a Tuesday, like not some big crazy story. Like mm-hmm. there was way more give and take. I think that they had, deeper relationships as a result, because, you know, usually when you get into it with someone good or bad, it actually strengthens your relationship. Like ironically, some of the people I'm closest with in hockey, I've have at one point or not had like a, a absolute fuck you with them. Um, like, I don't know why that is. I think sometimes when you, when you test the outer range of what could happen, it's like, I don't know. I don't know why that is, but like sometimes I remember there's a coach I won't name, uh, who really went at me. And I was like, man, this guy's never going to want to talk to me again. And then like, it's someone to this day I could phone up and would be great. So sometimes anyway, it's a long way of saying, I think it was more normal for their generation. Honestly, it's not as normal for me. And then certainly you're, you're the next one behind me. Like this is not going to be something I think if we're predicting out the next 20 years. We just will never see stuff like this. It would be my prediction. I think it's just the evolution of, how the job has been, maybe what the role is supposed to be, how players are like, it's, it's probably a lot of moving parts, but I I think confrontation is going to disappear entirely from, or or more or less entirely. Sure. There might be a moment here or there, but it's not going to be, there's almost no reason for it. Like at the end of the day, we're just talking about guys playing a game for a living. Like I know that we have a responsibility as journalists to try to understand what's happening, to try to get into their mindset, to try to explain to the fans what's going on. Like that's kind of our role in the middle there, but you know, Again, we're two years into a friggin' pandemic. Like, I think we, we should yeah. understand, like, how important this really is. Um, as much as we love it and as much as it's given my life, and I'm certainly not downplaying that, but let's have some perspective here, too. I just want to add this about the whole dry sidle thing. I'm glad you, you mentioned the fact that, you know, you being from a different generation, you would have handled that differently. I know for sure if I did any of that stuff, it's curtains for me. 
Like I, I looked at that the whole time, the the clip uh, of 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 Jim Matheson going at so? Leon Dreisaitl. Yeah, I think I don't think it would have gone well for me. I I can I only have the experience of being in the Montreal locker room, and like you I think, know you think the athletic that. is just going to pull the shoot on you if you did that. I don't know if the athletic would, but I think the Canadians would be upset with me. I don't think they would. I don't think they tolerate that. And I and I and I I don't know. I just maybe it's because of the fact that I do not have. One, you cannot find my plaque in the Hall of Fame. I do not have the experience that you have. I'm still relatively like, what, two, three years into this? Like, I'm not, I don't have the clout to do that. So I know, like, one, I know I can't do that. And two, like, I mean, as long as I'm, I also didn't think the answer was that bad. Uh, unless I really genuinely feel like I'm being, like, disrespected by the person I'm talking to, I'm not going to do something like that. And that wasn't something to me where I was, I genuinely felt like, like, holy crap, like, you really don't care. I would have probably just, like, if Leon Dreisaitl, like, you know, did that whole, like, yeah, whatever, you know, everything, I probably would have just, like, said, like, you know what? It's not worth it for me to just, like, clap back at you. Just right. you go on with that, and I'm just going to step back because I don't I, – I know I don't have the clout to go back at you at that, at that, and two, it's not worth it. Look, it's not I, worth it. I know ego gets involved for a lot of people in this, but, like, if I could give any advice, seriously – there's no reason as a journalist to get offended by how a subject reacts to you. Just as, you know, and I had to learn this, there's no reason to be offended if someone doesn't return your text or your call, which is a routine part of the job, even to this day for me, you know, mm -hmm. when I'm looking around for info, like it's not personal. Usually there's a reason why that the person might be doing that, but like, it's really because our job is to like stand there and poke your forehead and like ask the obvious thing you don't want to talk about and try to get into awkward subjects. Like it, and, and a lot of people want to avoid that. Right. And so I, I would just say to any younger journalist or whatever, like, just don't ever take anything personally. And then I don't think you ever get to the point where you're asking someone why they're pissy or it doesn't need to be a big argument because it really, again, we're just asking about hockey. Like it's, we're not, we're not curing cancer over here and, or, you know, finding an end to this pandemic or whatever the hell else is more important than, than what we're doing. So um, yeah, I think that that's, don't let your ego get in there because nothing good happens when that happens. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, price line. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. So we go from one combat between uh, Jim Matheson and Leon Dreisaitl to uh, Brad Marchand versus the entire Carolina Hurricanes organization, or at least their Vincent Trocek and their social media team. Uh, to, to recap, uh, Marchand and Vince, Vincent Trocek chirping each other. Uh, Trocek got compared to Marchand and Trocek was like, what, do, you, do you think I'm a rat? And Marshawn thought, wow, me being compared to Vincent Trocek, it's like comparing a Prius to a Lamborghini. 
Uh, I think, was it Trocek who laid out a big hit on Marshawn in that game? They ended up playing against each other too. Yeah, uh, I mean, this is great. It's this crazy. Is, this is good theater. Like, this is good, harmless fun. Absolutely. And then after that, uh, the Canes defeat the Bruins, uh, like, really badly. Uh, Marshawn's six-game point. 7-1, the six-game point streak for Brad Marshawn snapped. Uh, and the uh, the Canes obviously going on Twitter to chirp. And uh, Brad Marshawn's like, hey, you're the Carolina Hurricanes, you're the reason why we, as players, pay 20% in escrow. And uh, then Alan Walsh uh, chimed in with uh, another tweet about that, essentially just saying that, uh, no, it's all the stuff that was going on during the 2004-2005 lockout that led to you paying 20% in escrow. You said it. This is ultimately good theater. Uh, so let, let's talk about it. What, what, like on a level of, if we were comparing this as like, you know, like how we rate like movies and stuff like that on a rating of five, in terms of the theater of this, give this a rating on five. Well, for hockey, it's five because, you know, <laughs> we have to, we have to do it in the, you know, other sports call this, you know, Monday. Um, yes. But, you know, we don't have a lot of hockey players like Brad Marchand uh, in, in a lot of ways, but like sp- specifically with how he uses his Twitter account. Remember, he went on a pretty good rant about the Olympics and the, the taxi squads that were being introduced to get through the season. And why couldn't we have taxi squads? The Olympics anyway, I mean, he was he made very clear his thoughts on the Olympic decision on Twitter. I love the response. I mean, look, the Canes have a good social media team. They chirped them with the L is for Lamborghini is what they put in, in putting the you know, the, the score up at the end of that game. And, you know, obviously a reference to the Marchand quote about the Prius and Lamborghini. And, and then I love that he gets in there on that. I mean, look, I don't think he's factually correct, but that's not even important. He's just <laughs> chirping. He's because chir- when you think about it, it's, it's expert level trolling because he, he didn't just feel, he felt trolled by the hurricanes as a whole, right? Cause it's their account. And so he went right at their entire team. Like basically you guys have no fans. You've got no money coming in. I think this is, what he was inferring by saying we pay high escrow because the league is carrying your organization financially. I love it. I think it's great. I, I hope he keeps tweeting. I love Brad Marchand. Like I love that, that you know where he stands on things. Mm-hmm. And I have to say he's not entirely wrong. Like Vincent Trojak's a good player. Brad Marchand, like you start looking at his numbers. We're talking to, I think he's going to get in the hockey all fame. Seriously. Like I think that's the trajectory of his career. Those, these last few seasons, um, like he, it's amazing what he's done. Like, I don't have his stats in front of me, but I remember he was what a second round pick. I believe, I think his first 20 games in the league, he, he didn't score. He might not have even had a point and he's turned himself into like a potential hundred point guy. Like, and, and he's of course known for the off ice antics. Some of the things he did on the ice, he's obviously been in the early part of his career suspended several times, mm-hmm. low bridge hits and, and the like. You know, remember he was licking uh, Leo Komarov's face in a playoff series. He's yeah, he's used his hockey stick in an inappropriate manner in terms of spiking into someone else's groin. Uh, like he's anyway, he was known for kind of a lot of stuff like that. And and largely that stuff's out of his game, to be honest. I mean, he hasn't crossed the line too much in, in those ways. And he's become an outstanding player. So I, anyway, chirp away, Brad. I think it's great. I think the Hurricanes can handle it. Like, I just see it as good, clean fun, man. Like, I, I literally laughed when I saw that tweet yesterday. Um, and so I don't have any problem with it. And I, and I hope more players come along that are like that. But, like, look, at he's, he's one of a kind guy, too. He's not there's – not there's not a factory 
you know, churning out a bunch of Brad Marchands. I mean, he, his value to the Bruins is such that, that he's very unique in all these things he does. Yeah, uh, I I love the Prius Lambo comparison because it, it's true. I mean, no disrespect to Vincent Trocheck. I, I maybe maybe you don't have to call him a Prius, but like clearly the more expensive well, Prius is a reliable car. It's a reliable car. I mean, I don't know if I would if I called you a Prius, would you like it? Like, it's do not a compliment. You, do you see yourself as a Prius? No, I no. don't. No, I'm not a big no. car guy though. So like maybe I don't. You know, maybe maybe the the reference isn't as is harsh because I'm I don't really care about cars that much. Okay, fine. Um, I'm more like a Tesla. See, okay, okay. The fact that you said Tesla, like that's that's fine. That's okay. Nobody wants to get called a Prius. We all know how reliable it is. It's a nice car, but nobody wants to be known as a Prius. We would rather be known as a Lamborghini. And even sure. if you don't care that much about cars, like the Tesla, Lamborghini, Ferrari, whatever. I'd rather be that, but also we know clearly in the situation, the more valuable player between the two is clearly Brad Marchand, a guy who was a little bit of a rink rat to start off his career, but he turned himself into an offensive, productive player who, you know what? It wouldn't surprise me if he ended up in the Hall of Fame for his style of play, his ability to score goals year in, year out. Plus, he has a Stanley Cup to his name. That's going to help a guy who's who's also played at the international level as well, like yeah, I, he was going to be on Team Canada's top line. I bet. Yes, maybe maybe absolutely. the second maybe the second line, depending on how they ended up doing it, because I think there was a world that Crosby was going to play left wing with McDavid on the top line of Team Canada. Like I think that, man, that, that was at least fun. thought about. I know Sid was open to it. Man, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole so- because I just love I love the sort of the challenge of like you have these puzzle pieces, like all these stars. Like how do you arrange them? Right? How do you make it work? Like I love that's part of what makes. Those tournaments so cool. I'm sorry we're missing that. So what kind of car would you be? If I were a car, hmm, I've always liked Lamborghinis, funny enough. I'd like to be a Lamborghini Countach. All right. Yeah, I think I could definitely go. Like I, my ideal, it's actually kind of funny that we are doing this because I see myself, I would, because I like Lamborghinis, but also if I was an NHL player, if I had someone who at least had a shred of talent, like, or at least when I play ball hockey with my friends, the one player I would like to emulate in some fashion, even though I can't do it, is Brad Marchand because really? he can score and he's a pest. And, and like, as, as, as a kid growing up as a Canadians fan, once upon a time, I hated the Bruins. So, of course, I hated Brad Marchand. So, it's rather ironic that I would still want to be a guy like Brad Marchand, a guy that just, like, you know, he can produce and score, but he's just so annoying to go up against. I totally would see myself as that. I would love to be that. Yeah, awesome penalty killer, scores a ton of shorthanded goals. Like, man, you win games with players like that. You do. I think he's uh, gotten the respect. Like, I remember I covered that 2016 World Cup. And he got put on Crosby's line at the start of it. And everyone's like, really? Brad Marchand? Like, you know, that was before his sort of 100-point seasons. Like, he was a good player by then. Don't get me wrong. Obviously, he made Team Canada. But, like, it seemed like a stretch at the time. He had a friggin' awesome tournament. He actually signed his eight-year contract extension during that event. Um, and, you know, ever since, the Bruins have looked smart for signing him to that deal because he has outperformed it in terms of his, his value by, by leaps and bounds. Okay, one last thing I'll mention about Brad Marchand and us just thinking about the Olympics here. Brad Marchand was an Olympic gold medal away from joining the Triple Gold Club. Yeah. He's a he's he's an Olympic gold medal away. Maybe it comes in in 2026, I guess, but uh, a gold medal away. 
from the triple gold club. But uh, yeah, we went through. I bet he knows that too. Like I bet, I bet he's aware of that, you know, Owen power, you know, who's probably going to get to play for Canada as a result of the NHL. He's not going, could win the Olympic gold. He's already got a world championship gold. He could enter the NHL just needing the Stanley cup. I mean, that's a big just, Um, but still like, it's wild that 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 guy might have two thirds of the way before he's even played an NHL game. And if, then if the double IHF figures out a way to reschedule the world juniors and Owen power says, fine, I'll play. And if he wins one there, he could enter the league with that too. That's, That's like Patrice Bergeron style. Patrice Bergeron won a world championship gold in 2004. And then the next year was the lockout year. And he went to that famous 2005 world junior team. So he won a world championship gold before. I mean, there's a few guys I covered the 07 world championship and Jonathan Taves was still just a college player. And he, he was, was a good player on that team. He's a good player pretty much every team he's ever been on, and, and they won gold. So it, it does happen. Jordan Stahl was a young player on that team, 18, I think. Um, it's cool. Anyway, I, I miss international anyway. hockey. Honestly, I'm, I, I'm just like pining. I just want to tell random stories about world championship stuff just because I love, I love those memories and I love international play. We're going to get an episode at some point where you're going to get to do all of that, maybe during the Olympics that there's I, I hear the SDPN is doing some fun stuff during the Olympics. Um, not much we can really add to uh, the Vancouver side of things. I know Eddie Lack kind of went on a back and forth with Ian McIntyre on that, but just kind of in the spirit of what we've been talking about for the last Everyone's few squirrely, minutes. bud. It's like everyone's mad. <laughs> it's like the middle of winter. It's a pandemic. I don't you know what? Everyone's just getting a little crazy. Uh, I don't know. The, uni- the universe, like, I feel like the universe is a snow globe right now. It got all shook up, you know, like everyone's like airing old grievances. It's Festivus right now in the hockey media world. Do you believe in Festivus? Would you celebrate Festivus? Because I feel I want to get to a point when I'm old enough to have my own family. Just as like a joke, like one year, I would love to just put a pole in the middle of my living room and just let everyone air out their grievances. Well, I love Seinfeld. So absolutely. Like I... <laughs> Like I, I love that show at the time and I would 100% do that. Okay. So uh, we'll move off from Vancouver. We'll move off. Let's from do a Festivus episode next December where we're like air yes. grievances with each other, air grievances yes. with the hockey world. That would actually be amazing. Oh, that's actually a really good idea. I, I'm, I'm going to put, if, I'm gonna yes. put an alert in my calendar so that I get like a beep next December and we're going to do that. I'm just curious though. If we get to, I'm going to be curious about what grievances you might have for me, because that is going to be really revealing. I mean, of course, we'll have grievances with the hockey world and all that. But uh, if we get 11 more months of doing this pod together, like some grievances (laughs) are going to build up. But I mean, yeah, I mean, I already know what the number one grievance is going to be. And I hope it, I mean, unfortunately, location kind of dictates it, but clearly doing, I mean, I know you like doing it on Zoom, but I know you also hate Zoom. I imagine that's going to be near the top of your grievances. Yeah, I, I do hate Zoom. Like, okay, I hate to say this because it's my job to be a reporter, but I can't even go on the Zooms anymore. Damn. Seriously. I mean, I'm lucky enough. I don't have to report on any one team every day. You know, if, that, if you're a day-to-day beat person on a team, you have no choice. You have to, that's essential to your job. You know, and I've got an ability to call enough people that I can still do my job. But like, I'm, I'm just basically done with the Zooms. Like, I can't. I just can't. So, so when you watched Ken Hughes introduced as Canadian general manager on Wednesday, you have to okay, follow on Twitter, essentially. No, that's different. I watched that digitally. But what I mean is like, if I'm, yeah, I just like morning skate. I can't sit there and watch, you know, cause they bring out a random player. Like it's no offense to that player, yeah. but in the old days, again, you would have an idea for what stories you're pursuing or what ideas you had. And you would just go talk to the people you want to talk to. 
And then like they just roll out these random guys and they get random questions and everyone's tweeting all the answers. Anyway, I just this is someone this is someone doesn't Mercurial like their answer. Someone doesn't like their answer, so then they clap back and ask, "Why are you being so pissy?" Exactly. <laughs> I mean, let's face it, Leon Dreisaitl isn't a random player by any stretch, but no, yeah, I just the whole thing sucks. It really does suck. I don't know if you saw Murat Atash from the the Athletic had a great story talking to Jets players about the uh, being on the other side, and and you know those guys seem to hate it. The only thing they seem to like about this new world is that after practice or a game, they said the media isn't right in their face in the locker room when they're still getting undressed. Like they can kind of have a come down period before they have to go do their media responsibilities in front of the camera. But they, to a man, I think they all said they don't like being on that. Like it's too impersonal for them too. And I've heard other people say that to me too, like executives and people I speak to that they, just, they sort of miss having the repartee. So that okay this last thing i'll add here that makes me feel better as a member of the media because my whole fear and all of this pandemic hysteria was that this was just going to be the way that media were shut out of locker rooms forever and surely there's still a way for us to have a balance uh but that makes me feel better that uh even execs and players feel the same way that i kind of feel like this. we are going to be shut out forever but i i don't know anything like that's not i don't um, think we will if and they, I'm not, if I they should miss be very us, clear here. I do have a role at the Professional Hockey Writers Association. This is not an official opinion. Yeah, I, I literally no one at the league has said that to me. Nothing like that. I just I do feel like it's going to be hard to put the toothpaste back in the tube because, you know, we're coming up on two years of doing it this way. Um, hopefully I'm wrong. I'm also I had a really discouraging conversation with someone this week who knows a lot more about the pandemic than me. And and oh, it's actually the, the woman who did does my makeup at TSN and, and okay. she's got like a background in, in epidemiology and knows all, and she, she was sort of predicting another couple of years of rolling life like this. So I'm also projecting like if it is another couple of years before with these variants keep coming around and what have you, like if we're four years into it, like how do we go back? I, it just feels like, I don't know. The world's changed, man. The world has changed. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The world has changed, uh, but before we get a little too far ahead on what the world could look like, let's at least go to the Montreal Canadiens first and talk about uh, their new GM, the 18th in franchise history, Kent Hughes, introduced to the media Wednesday afternoon. I actually got to go, so I got to sit in the uh, in the Bell Center in this section, and we're just like staring at like three guys sitting on the ice uh, with the jumbotron uh, lowered pretty much at ice level behind them. A really interesting scene. Could you see but, the expressions uh, on their faces, or were you too far? To, like, was it so far? I was like, a, I was a little, I was a little far to see the expressions on their faces. But uh, I imagine that uh, Kent Hughes probably feels a little bit of relief after all the 
media whirlwind and and figured out if you won the job or not. He apparently had no hesitation about taking it. But uh, yeah, in all honesty, I was a little far in terms of seeing their actual facial features on how they were answering questions. But I got to ask a question at the very least. Um, so let's let's get into it. What, what were your thoughts on on Ken Hughes being hired as GM? I know we talked about the fact that. Maybe the Canadians wanted a francophone GM. They, they definitely wanted a bilingual guy, and we had the back-and-forth discussion on that. But they end up taking an Anglophone who is bilingual and spoke French pretty well uh, and has the name Kent Hughes. Look, it, it was a great introduction, I thought. I mean, it's – and I'm not making light of Kent Hughes or even the situation. It's it, These things always start well, right? Yeah. I mean, it's sort of like going to a wedding. <laughs> like, everyone feels – happy in that moment and, and you're, you're starting this thing and, and there's a lot of optimism. You know, I, I think that that that's how it felt to me. I mean, this is fresh blood for the organization. You know, Mark, Mark Bergeron was there almost 10 years. And I know it's been a few months since since he left the organization, but now you're starting to see how it might go forward. You know, Kent Hughes wisely, and I believe he believes this, but, you know, drops that little nugget that he wants to build an offensive team, which is something I think we both agree the Canadians really haven't been, um, you know, even while they've had success, they've kind of done it in a grinding style, you know, last year's playoffs being a, a prime example of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they've, they've not been a team that really goes head to head with say like the Maple Leafs of the world. They, they, you know, they had Philip Deneau to shut down the Leafs uh, top players, but they didn't, they weren't outscoring the, the Leafs so much in those games, if you know what I'm saying in terms of their style of play. And, and so, mm-hmm. you know, that's a great way to start. I mean, if you're a fan, I guess, first of all, you want your team to win. But secondly, let's face it, people would probably rather watch a 5-4 game than a 2-1 game. I know that there's some people out there that say they love the 2-1 game. I don't really believe. I mean, I don't believe that. I'm not saying every 2-1 game sucks either, but I've seen a few 5-4 games in the last like couple weeks, and they've been a hell of a lot more exciting with lead changes and like, wow, and, you know, guys putting up lots of goals. Um, And so, anyway, I, I think that Ken Hughes touched the right notes he was, you know, not that specific in terms of what he wants to do with the team. I, I think that's a reasonable approach. I mean, if you, before you've even like met your staff, before you've met the players in person, you know, it's hard to come in and say, this is the course I'm going to take. Like a lot of people remember the, the Brendan Shanahan that was called the Shanna plan that there was a, the day after a season that went wrong, he, you know, Brendan Shanahan came out and like very much outlined exactly what he wanted to do. That was a year after he took the job. Like he spent the first year on the job just observing what was going on in the organization. And then, they, you know, on that day, I think they fired 17 people or so. And, you know, basically the whole coaching staff, the other management staff, a bunch of scouts and, and started rebuilding. I, I, I tend to think that this is going to end up in a rebuild of some short, shape or form in Montreal. Mm-hmm. But there's not a lot of incentive to come out and say that on the day one. So um, I thought he handled it well, by all accounts. You know, I don't speak French myself, but it sounds like the French media was was, you know, I saw a few uh, tweets about how, you know, he handled himself well and with the French questions, which, you know, that's going to be a story. Like that isn't going away. Like, I don't think it'll be talked about next week again, but you know, how he's embraced in the marketplace or how he interacts with the media, I think is going to be part of the story. It's the most unique position in hockey, in my opinion, the GM of the Canadians. And, you know, I I wrote a column that appeared in the star this week. uh, And it's trying to make that point. It's like, like he can, yeah, he's going to, the hockey decisions at least will be split between the Jeff Gordon, you know, there's a tandem here. So like they're shouldering some of the second guessing, but it's going to be up to one guy to manage that median. And I don't, I don't know how he'll be embraced, honestly, as an Anglophone, you know, even if he's from the West Island, even if his French is more than capable, um, 
it's just, it sounds to someone who maybe doesn't understand the culture of Quebec or doesn't understand how important the Canadians are to the culture and what goes on. Like it's a very unique thing being the Canadians GM. And so I'm, I'm fascinated to see how he approaches it. There's all these big contracts, right? Like that's yep. the other part of this. Like it, it's, it's so easy to get discussing the other things, but there's, this is a big job in front of him. You know, what he does with Carey Price, how he handles Brendan Gallagher, Jeff Petrie, you know, guys that have been really loyal players to that organization that, you know, recently have signed contract extensions with the idea they'd be there and the team would be contending to win. Well, what happens if next year the Canadians are trying to lose or trying not to win or, you know, however you want to put that, um, trying to go in another direction? Um, you know, do those guys want to be part of it? So I think it's it's going to be intriguing. I like the first day. There's no, I have no points of criticism, honestly. There's nothing there that, you know, I thought Kent was firm and, you know, laid out his vision in general enough terms, but we don't have a lot of specifics just yet in terms of what he intends to do. Yeah, uh, two things. We For people who aren't really familiar with the timeline of how Kent Hughes ended up in the, in the position that he's in right now, I believe it was like Sunday, uh, they ended up making the decision that Kent Hughes was going to be the guy. The Canadians, essentially Jeff Molson and Jeff Gorton. And then Monday, I believe that's when they negotiated his contract. And then Tuesday, they announced that he's general manager. And then Wednesday, he's unveiled to the media. And whether it's as we're speaking or whether as you're listening to this podcast, Kent Hughes is probably in Vegas right now meeting the Montreal Canadiens for the very first time as GM. I can understand why you would go to the media and not have a plan laid out about who's going to go or or what players you want to prioritize. I think if memory serves, the only time he ever mentioned any players specifically, like he mentioned like Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield as like two young players, obviously as part of like the team's young players. But like he didn't mention anyone specifically by name. Also, I'll add this as well. Jeff Gorton said uh, no player on the Montreal Canadiens to this point has asked him to be traded. I think that's a very important point to point out. But we'll, we'll, but we'll why, see how that goes. Why did anyone think a player would have asked to be traded? I think with the way that the season is going and everyone kind of knows that the team is in the, in the, not, it's weird to say in the tank, but where they're at right now, a lot of people are thinking, okay, well, someone might not want, someone might want out like Mike Hoffman, for example, a guy who signed a three-year deal in the off season. Maybe he feels it's time for him to leave. People are wondering, who who knows, but maybe he doesn't want to leave Tyler Toffoli. I believe after uh, the game against the Dallas stars, like straight up said like, Hey, I want to be part of the solution going forward. I want to be a part of this team, like he, I'm, I'm not quoting him verbatim, but he essentially said something along those lines that, you know, he, he would like to be part of the solution here in Montreal. So I mean, it'll be really curious to see who wants to stay as part of this team. The second thing well, I just want to add. The other thing too, oh, I ahead. don't think the more I think about this team, like it's probably not going to be a full scale teardown just because they do have, they, first of all, they have some talented players, of course, they do. and guys that are signed. And I think just even from a practical matter, it's not like you could trade all these, like it would be very difficult in this environment to trade and unload all these players. So it's, it's important when someone like Defoli steps up and says he wants to be part of it, because that will be part, I think of the job too, is just weeding through like who really has a stomach for this or who's going to be pulling the rope in the right direction, or who's going to look around and be like, F this, like, this isn't what I signed up for. Um, you know, and so that'll be part of the job. And then obviously handling Carey Price. I think that's going to be, it's not relevant today because he's just restarting his knee injury, but you know, whether he wants to still be part of the organization, whether they can trade, I think that for me, it's almost the first decision. I mean, obviously the, in practical terms, the first decision will be like trading Ben Sherrod and and doing what you can do at this trade deadline. 
But then I do think how you handle the Carey Price situation will be fascinating. The second thing I just want to mention with Kent Hughes, with regards to language, uh, just in my limited viewing of, of French media members, at least on Twitter anyway, uh, I've seen a lot of support for Kent Hughes as a hiring off the language thing. And, I've, and the people who I've seen be really critical are just kind of randoms on Twitter. I think we have to be very careful with this story. I think you're right in the fact that it could still very much be a story. But I think it'll be a vocal minority of people who uh, are essentially pushing the goalposts with this, because at the beginning of this whole process, people were trying to explain why it was important for a bilingual person to be GM of the Montreal Canadiens. But now that a bilingual person is in charge and they have the name Kent Hughes, you're going to see other people be like, oh, c'est pas un Québécois, c'est pas un gars francophone, un gars avec un nom français. Like, we're seeing people kind of push back and that kind of... That just kind of shows that there are people who just wanted a particular thing from jump, but we have to be careful about whose voices we hype up with that because I'm not seeing people from RDS do that. I'm not seeing anyone from Journal de Montréal do that necessarily, but that that could change. Who knows? I don't know. But a lot of them are just like random Twitter eggs, you know? And yeah. I you think can't a give lot the of egg accounts too much attention. That's what you're that's saying. That's it. Like that's what I'm saying. A lot of people I've seen have been supportive of the fact that, you know, hey, they've, they've fulfilled this criteria. And Kent Hughes, even with a name like Kent Hughes, just like me, Julie McKenzie, we're just as much Quebecois as a Mathieu Darche or, or Daniel Briere or any other Francophone name you want to put in there. So let's be careful with how we hype up some of these people who make that a big deal, whether it's in the coming weeks or throughout his tenure or whenever, because from what I've seen, a lot of people seem to be down with the fact that Kent Hughes, a guy from the West Island of Montreal is, is the general manager of the Montreal Canadians. But the fact um, he's from the yeah, West Island doesn't guarantee he would speak French, right? Sure. I guess. But like, I, no. I this is also just my opinion too. Like if you've grown up, in Montreal, you know, like whether in the West Island, whether in Anjou, whether in the South Shore, like I, I think it, would, it just boggles my mind as a kid who went through French immersion schools that you do not have that people would live here all their lives and not have any like working knowledge of French. That would that would blow my mind. I understand when my dad, who emigrated from like Trinidad to Bigel, I understand when my mom a little bit, but even my mom, like she's been in Canada longer than my dad has. But if you were born in Montreal, like. I'm not saying that's I'm not saying you're you're wrong, but like I'm just boggled at the fact that like you could live in a city that long and not pick up a word of French like that. That blows my mind personally. But that's I mean, a personal I, thing. I'm a Canadian and I don't speak French. I mean, I speak enough. If I have a beer with you, I could like muddle through. But like it's not, yeah, but like you're, you live, bad. but you live in an Anglophone city like you don't you don't you don't walk outside and see billboards in French like <laughs> I, like I do. That's my reality every day. The problem, too, is like, honestly, when I was a dumb little kid. Like, I just thought of it as like a school subject. Like, I thought it was the same as like math or whatever. And I thought all French was was like conjugating verbs. It's like all we did all the time. Yeah. Uh, and like, I didn't honestly, I'm talking about being a young kid. So like, I don't even know if you could have explained it to me. But if you explain like, hey, you might go somewhere in the world one day and this might help you like meet someone, talk to someone. I think that if I had have like connected it to the real world application, I probably would have pursued it a little bit more. Otherwise, I literally just did it till I basically to fulfill the criteria. I think you had to do grade nine and and then I was done. Basically, I did one year in university, too. But anyway, download Duolingo, take a couple French lessons, see how that goes. I'll tell the you, my comprehension I, yeah. is pretty good. Like if, if I least. hear two people speaking, I can understand generally what they're talking about. At least the last thing I want to mention with the Canadians, uh, and it's OK if you don't know, 
But the one thing I'm still very intrigued about, and I know Jeff Gordon and uh, Kent Hughes are essentially going to have to deal with this, but just filling out the rest of their front office. I've just been led to believe, and I know Pierre Lebrun's mentioned this a few times as well, some of the people that they've interviewed uh, for those GM jobs, they might get called back for other jobs in the front office. And, And Jeff Gordon, I think, even confirmed as much. I'm really curious about who could end up in an AGM role. Daniel Briere, who apparently impressed the Canadians, does he step up and be an AGM? I don't see Mathieu Darsh doing that, but maybe Daniel Briere, who's running an ECL, ECHL franchise right now, does. Could be. You know, I don't know Daniel's level of interest in that. And like my sense on his end of things is he's quite fine with where he is. I mean, obviously, Montreal Canadiens want to interview you to be the GM. That's a dream job for him, too. Like I get why he took the first interview, but I'm not sure it's work for that team at all costs uh, because I think he's on a really good management track in, in you know, with the, the Flyers organization. I know he's thought of extremely highly internally there. And as you mentioned, I think he was essentially the runner up here. If you want to grade the candidates, I, you know, I believe Matthew Darsh would be third. If again, I, I'm not sure how relevant that is because only one person gets a job. It doesn't, but you know, I think he was gained strong consideration. And so, you know, maybe there'll be a door open to him, but I'm not certain he'll walk through it at this point in time. You know, a lot depends maybe on how the Flyers view him. I don't think the Flyers want to lose him, for example. So maybe this could could open up. Just the fact he's in this conversation, he's in this mix, you know, might lead to a new job for Daniel, even where he is right now. And so, you know, it's still going to be an interesting offseason around hockey. Like Vancouver is definitely getting close to naming their GM. As oh, we yeah, we have to remember our, them too. As we talked about on our Monday show. But, you know, you still have an opening in Chicago. You have the Anaheim situation. You're going to have more going on in Montreal. You know, I think there'll be other teams just from their performance or things that happen that, that like, it still feels like there's a lot of deck chairs in the sort of front office world of, of, of the NHL that, that still need to be filled. And so I'm, I'm curious to see how the, it all sort of cascades together. CJ, are you ready for stick taps? I am. Let's do stick taps. It's, these, let's, it's the segment we do on every Thursday episode where we just show some love and some praise and some recognition to someone. You could be in the hockey world. It could be anywhere else. I'm going to keep mine for the hockey world, unless you want to start. I'll start because yours, I think, is more serious than mine. I'm going to give my stick tap to the social media content creators out there in the league. Because, look, I know that it's not always easy being the sort of actual human face behind a team's account. You see a lot of crap in your mentions. Probably hard days, long days, maybe not getting appreciated as much as you should, but I appreciate the folks that, that keep me laughing. Cause honestly, there was a tweet this week from the Calgary flames social account when they played Florida, I won't get into it, but those who know will know because it would be the third straight episode. I've talked about this gentleman, but okay. I just, I literally saw it and laughed and I was like, you know what? In these times, I appreciate that there's people out there making me laugh. I mentioned the hurricanes account is a pretty, can be a pretty spicy one at times. And that was, that played a role in the Brad Marchand thing. Anyway, I see you out there, those that are keeping these accounts alive and, and working long hours and, and giving us something to smile about during a pandemic. So keep doing what you're doing. Salute and stick tap to y'all. Also stick tap to uh, all the great people at the SDPN who upload uh, videos. Uh, well, Jesse, Nick Andrade, uh, and everyone else on the team just, you know, doing good work for us, too, because, hey, we have content creators uh, for these networks, too, right? Uh, for my stick tap, uh, Willie O'Ree is deserving uh, for me this week. He had his number 22 retired 
by the Boston Bruins, the first black player to ever appear in the National Hockey League, essentially the Jackie Robinson of the sport of hockey. Uh, and he continues to do work uh, in terms of trying to help with diversity uh, in the sport of hockey, talking to different hockey teams and talking to youth and, and, and also just interacting with players of today. Uh, he's an inspiration for so many people. And it is amazing to see him be recognized as much as he was this week, not just by the Boston Bruins, but by the National Hockey League and by the U.S. Congress. This week, he was also given a congressional gold medal as well. So, Willie O'Ree, the biggest of stick taps for you, sir, because if it weren't for you, who knows where the National Hockey League would be? Uh, He plays a huge role in the integration of our world, essentially. So I, I, I am eternally grateful to you, Willie O'Ree, for your efforts in the sport of hockey. And I know many of us in the sport of hockey are eternally grateful as well. Nice, nice tweet, actually, from Wayne Simmons, too, this week, just about what an inspiration Willie was for him as, as a young black player, you know, coming up through the ranks. And, you know, I'm sure that that's a story that is shared by many. But, I, you know, I saw that, that that tweet got a lot of business because, you know, Wayne Simmons, he's, he's one of the real ones, too. Absolutely. That's going to do it for this week's editions of The Chris Johnston Show. Yes, there was a lot of fighting in the first few minutes, but uh, we made it work. Let's just have peace, man. Let's just. I don't know. I want to air some grievances chill. with you, bud. Now that we got we unlocked that Festivus thing. So. Fe- hey, 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 hey. December 23rd. Let's save that for December 23rd. I don't even know if that's a Thursday or a Monday, but we'll find a way to make a Festivus episode in the next 11 months, I guess. <laughs> And uh, I don't know if you have any genuine grievances with me, you know, we'll chop it up over beers whenever we're allowed to do that again, whether in Toronto or, or back in Montreal or, or wherever at this point. Apparently, Adam wants us to go on tour. So maybe we'll end up doing that in Coburg at some point. Yeah, man, we had all these plans and they've just gone by the wayside. We were supposed to come yeah. to Montreal in January, like an SDP I remember road that. trip. Yeah. And, and, you know, anyway. Yeah. Anyway, I mean restrictions might be going down at some point and you know i'm gonna try to be optimistic about all of this just i think that's how we have to handle this whole situation essentially it's wise that's very wise uh you can now get started on asking questions to cj the use the ask cj hashtag on twitter uh you can also go on our discord go to sdpn.ca to uh, click the link to join our Discord. We're trying to reach 10,000 people on Discord. It is bumping in There's there. been a breakthrough on the Jeff Carter search, by the way. Whoa, 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 whoa. We'll have to whoa, save that whoa, for Monday, whoa. though. Okay. All right, cool. That, that's your tease right there. Uh, I thought the biggest tease we're going to have is this mystery show that was going to pop up next week or 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 mark andre fleury being the special guest on the newest edition of agent provocateur but a breakthrough has been reached in the biggest mystery that has this is going to be the biggest the scoop show. of the nhl season jeff carter's oh middle name so. my god monday's episode is going to be insane Man, you got me hyped already. I can't even do this outro correctly. Uh, Subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to the YouTube page for all the fun stuff, bonus clips, other podcasts. Steve Dangle has a podcast on this network too. I I hear it's pretty good, I guess. We'll see how that goes. It's good to, you know, show some love to the content creators out there. But yeah, just buy stuff from the SDPN shop and keep it locked for Monday because we're going to know some really juicy stuff on Monday. For CJ, I'm Julian saying so long and peace. The Chris Johnson Show.
Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter at ReporterChris. And follow Julian McKenzie at JK and McKenzie.